Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. From the collect of the day, Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. So one of the things that's just true about being human is that when we find ourselves pushed to the limit, we resort to patterns of behavior that are at best kind of funny and at worst destructive. I mean, right, we eat, we drink, we procrastinate, we exercise, we binge on Netflix, we overfunction, we underfunction, we fight, we flee, we freeze. But one way or another, as a friend of mine likes to say, anxious people do what anxious people do. All that to say, whenever I get overwhelmed, my drug of choice is self-help books and tapes and audiobooks and podcasts and videos. But in moments of overwhelm, I instinctively reach for some voice that I can count on to tell me what the nice people at Home Depot tell me every time I go to their store. John, you can do it. We can help. And so a few weeks ago, whenever our church campus flooded, a lot of you were so kind to reach out and to ask how I was, but many of you also asked, you know, what did I do when I first heard the news? Did you cry? Did you hop in the car and drive to the church to see the damage? Did you call a friend for support? And of course, the answer was no. I watched about 25 Tony Robbins videos on YouTube, and just when I was on the verge of spreading hot coals on the back patio to prove to myself that I could indeed walk on fire, I came to my senses and remembered the words of today's collect of the day. Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. And so here's the thing, even though I totally get the deep flaws of the self-help movement, I do understand the appeal, because who doesn't want to be the best version of themselves, more mature, more confident, and more in control of their lives? Because in the world in which we live, the self we are now is never quite enough. It's not rich enough, or popular enough, or smart enough, or sexy enough, or successful enough, or spiritual enough, and it never has enough control. And that's why the world is always selling us something that will enhance the self or beautify the self, the whole assumption being that we do, in fact, have power in ourselves to help ourselves. Now, the thing about the Book of Common Prayer, I love it so much, but 
it's really inconvenient. In that, the Book of Common Prayer does not always mesh with how we want to view our life. Because in a world where the self-help industry takes in $10 billion every single year, it's easy and very convenient to think of the church as an extension of that movement and to assume that the whole point of Christianity is to make us strong and competent and knowledgeable and above all else, people who have it all together and are in control of their life. But here's what I want us to see. This belief, this belief that the point of faith is to get control of our life, it is by no means unique to our time. As the author of Ecclesiastes noted so long ago, there is nothing new under the sun. And I say that because it was this belief that Paul takes issue with in today's reading from 1 Corinthians. In fact, back in the day, the city of Corinth was a lot like Austin, Texas. It was a very progressive place. There was a university nearby, and so ideas proliferated, and traveling teachers went around giving very impressive speeches on how to be your best possible self, wise, strong, and above all else, in control of your life. And it would seem that the Christians in Corinth found themselves taken by this message, that they were hungry for a teacher that could help them feel wise and competent and in control, a teacher that could help them feel as if they were powerful enough to walk on fire. And to paraphrase what Paul says in today's reading from 1 Corinthians, has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For God has decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save anyone foolish enough to believe it, for God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness stronger than human strength. In other words, Paul's point to the Corinthians is that the power behind this whole Christianity thing is not found in some technique we employ to make ourselves strong but rather in the living God who always meets us in our weakness. Now, please do not hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with seeking to grow in wisdom or character or to develop new capacities. In fact, according to the Bible, wisdom is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And as the book of Proverbs tells us, this is a gift that we are to acquire at any cost. But, and this is so very important, there is a difference between the wisdom of God, which teaches us to surrender our life, and the wisdom of the world, which would always have us enhance our life. And what I would like us to consider today is that the part of us that 
so desperately wants to improve, that part of us that wants to be more than we currently are, more perfect, more successful, more in control, that this part of us is driven by a voice, a nagging, devilish, and lying voice that would have us believe that who we are right now and that what we bring to the table right now, that it's not good enough for God and that there is something we first have to do or become or achieve or maybe some mess that we first have to clean up or maybe some difficult life circumstances that first need to resolve themselves before God can use us to make a love-spreading difference in this world. And what Paul reminds us today, what Paul reminds the Corinthians today, which is the very core of the Christian gospel, is that in Christ, in Christ, we are all more than enough. That we are loved, cherished and adopted sons and daughters of the Most High God. Because, don't you see, it wasn't just Jesus who was nailed to a cross, but so were our sins and our mistakes and our fears. And so can we trust that we are safe and that we are loved by God right now? Because here's the deal, God does not love the person that you want to be. And God does not love the person that you think you are supposed to be. Now, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ loves who you are right now. And so let me end by saying this. We live in a world where everyone is desperate to improve, where no one is ever satisfied with who they are or what they have, and where wisdom is always equated with self-help and self-improvement and self-mastery. Maybe, just maybe, God is not asking us to be spiritual superhumans who win that race in the name of Jesus, but rather a people so rooted in the grace of God, so confident in who God is, that we are foolish enough to give up on that race altogether. Rooting our life in the unconditional love and mercy of God, it may sound very nice, but in practice, it's actually so counter to how all of us have been conditioned that at times we may feel very foolish. But whenever I think about my hope for all of us, when I think about my hope for this church, and what is still, if we are being honest, a, a very strange time, all I can say is that I want us to be that sort of fool. Fools who know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves, but who trust God so deeply and who know God's love so intimately that the foolishness of the cross becomes our only wisdom. 
For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is always stronger than any human strength. Amen.